My question is, where is everybody rushing to? Right. And like you said, what are we running away from if we are rushing towards an orgasm? And often the reality underneath this rushing is we are rushing away from feeling inadequate. We just kind of want the sex to be done and over with because we're not really enjoying it. We're rushing towards being good enough and being easy enough for our partner, right? These are all fear-based decisions we're making in sex. I don't want that kind of sex. You're listening to the Every Day is a Breakthrough podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Hummel. I'm here to invite you into living your most alive and aligned life possible. On this podcast, I'll be holding the mirror for your deepest truths and desires and giving you the permission and the power to not only follow your dreams, but to walk with firm trust in all of who you are in everything that you do. So if you're somebody who's here to live out your life's purpose and you're the kind of person who gets after it no matter what, this show is for you and I hope that you get the absolute most out of listening. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here and I'm really excited today to have Elena Rossi talking on the podcast today really about truth and I mean there's so many different things we're going to talk about today but truth holding trauma in the body really all as it relates to the female libido Um, and Elena is a female libido specialist and author of two books somatic trauma release therapist and a sex toy designer she holds degrees in business psychology entrepreneurship and leadership and has created a number of successful wellness concepts I'm so, so, so excited um, to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so I first heard about your work. I like love to like ground into sort of like how we connected. I first heard about your work actually on somebody else's podcast. And you were talking about, I think this might've even been the name of the podcast. But it was like, you haven't lost your libido. It's just this layer of vulnerability sort of getting in the way of it. And I heard you talk about libido as it relates to truth or vulnerability. And I was just like, wow, this is so incredible and like needs to be talked about more. So I'm really, really excited to have you. I'm curious who might spoke to about that. Yeah. I often refer to libido as um, going through different seasons in our life, kind of like, you know, spring, autumn, summer, and we need to understand that nothing is forever and the concept of this too shall pass. So some women right now are going through a very dark, dark winter time. Perhaps they're tapping into trauma. Maybe they are in a very unhealthy relationship. Maybe their libido has completely tanked for numerous reasons. Other women are entering spring. Maybe this is the time when you feel like you're coming out of a long healing time you are awakening, you're tapping into little moments of connection with other people, with yourself. Summer is full on fling time, right? You are in a new relationship, maybe you're dating, maybe you feel more confident, maybe you're feeling flowy and creative and alive. And then autumn things just start to kind of fade down and quiet down. And everyone goes through these phases. You know, I've gone through these phases multiple times myself and I always remind women that just because you're in times of a dark winter, spring is right around the corner. You just got to trust and take care of your libido. Take care of yourself. Don't panic. For example, a very common winter is having had a baby, right? You've gone through this really intense thing that your body's going through. It's affected your relationship. It's affected your health. It's affected your daily lifestyle. Don't panic. Spring is around the corner. I love that. I love that. And like, it relates to so many other things in life too. And like a lot of the ways that I, you know, we do work around like anything else. It's like, I love it's, you know, you're going through these different stages in life where there's things and it's like, let's not make it mean anything. Let's just be curious about what do I need or what would feel better? Or like, how can I, how can I say something or imagine something that will help me, you know, get through to the stage that I want to be in. 
Yeah, of course. And it, it gets more complicated when you are in relationships with someone because your partner, let's say you enter a relationship and you're in full on summer mode and your partner is tapping into dark, dark winter. Um, so how do you manage that in a relationship? How can you be exactly like you said, compassionate and loving towards each other and understanding? So fascinating. So I want to hear like, sort of, I know you do a lot of, you do body work and also other things. So I just want to, do you want to share a little bit about like the work that you do and ground us in, into that? Sure. Um, so I've been doing a lot of stuff in the sexuality realm for the past 15 years until I really narrowed down to exactly what I want to talk about, what my message is and what I want to do. And right now it is the fact that I want to spread the message of lovemaking. My whole idea for this world is that in order to stay in love, you have to make love. And most couples are not making love. They are fucking, they're hooking up, they're trying to make a baby, they're having sex, they're doing it, but they're not making love. It's not tender, it's not sweet, it's not genuine. There's a lot of masks that we wear, right, to mask our vulnerability. And so my message for the world is make love to stay in love. That's one part. And you can see that in my books and in my writing. The second part I do is I do body work. I'm a somatic body worker and I work specifically with female clients and I help them release years of trauma and stress from the body. And this trauma can be from childhood. It could be from um, painful events in their adult life, or it could be things like um, you coming out of a narcissistic abusive relationship and you're holding all that fear and trauma in the body so there's different levels of trauma and things that women work through and with and another thing I do is just coaching so I have a business partner she is my healer she's my mentor and last year we decided to put our forces together and we take women on healing programs it's individual work because every woman's story is so unique and different and how we guide one woman is not how we guide another woman um, so my partner also brings in um, holotropic breath work as a somatic body work. And we have different programs. You can do just online coaching with us if you live in the States and you can't come to us. Or if you can't come to us, you um, get to work with us face to face with body work, body armoring, um, and holotropic breath work that we do. So lots and lots of different things. And I try to be as available as possible to women depending on their financial situation, depending on their location in the world and what they're going through. So, and I was right. so that's another big part of me. I just finished my second book. It's launching this summer and I'm already working on the third. Amazing. I love, I love the fire so much of what we talk about in my work is like when you find the thing that really lights you up, there's like this unlimited well of creativity and energy behind it. And I just so feel that with you in your work. You're like, I'm writing a book. I'm writing another one. I'm doing this. It's so beautiful. Well, it's, you know, it took some time because sexuality is just such a massive umbrella term for all kinds of sexuality. And I think one of the biggest mistakes women who want to be in this industry do is they try to be like a sex coach, but what is a sex coach? Like, are you a female coach, male coach, a couples coach, a young sexual coach, a postmenopausal coach? Do you work with sexuality and postpartum? Do you work with trauma? Do you work with kink? There's so much and it's impossible to know everything. And when people start, you know, in this work, they feel like an imposter because they have all different clients coming to them and they don't know how to help them. So one of the things that I noticed within myself, it's like I had this big, big juicy draw towards the concept of lovemaking and slow sex and genuine connection. So I thought, fuck it, like this is what I want to do. Anyone who wants to work with, I don't know, a kink coach, that's not for me. I know about it. I understand it, but that's not what I do professionally. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I love the way, and I don't know, like for people listening, because I don't talk about this topic a lot. Like I talk a lot about connecting, like in relationships and truth, which is sort of probably brushing the very, 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 very surface (laughs) of what you share about, which is why I'm like so excited to have you here and talk about it. So I don't know, you know, for people listening, how much in this world they are in terms of seeking support with it. Right. Like, I don't know. So, but it's so interesting. And I love the way you share because it's so just feels so authentic and connected 
when I, when I read what you post and what you share, it's like just so simple. And I Mm -hmm. see a lot of sex coaching or things online and it is a very, it's a place where people hold a lot of trauma and there's a lot of stuff around it. And I personally, like probably many other women in the world have my own trauma and stories and past around it. And I very often see things or read things online that are not the right things for me to hear or read. And it's again, like not my place in the world, but I always think in my own head, in my house, I'm like, oh, there's so like, this is like, there's so much being shared online. That's probably so traumatizing or just so not the right information for certain people to read. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you bring this up because this is something I've struggled with myself when looking for a coach for, let's say business. I don't know if you're full of shit or not. (laughs) I have no clue if you really are making, you know, seven figure salary or if you're lying about it. And same happens in really every industry and sexuality industry is one of those. It's, I want to believe that everybody means well, you know, but a lot of people are still young. A lot of people are coaching, not from a place of knowledge, but from their own experience. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are coaching from a place of their own trauma that they haven't healed yet or are not even aware of. And I can tell you that when I started running my little Instagram back in pff, 10 years ago, pretty much, I was also writing from a place of trauma. I was sharing what I was learning at the time. I wasn't coaching. I wasn't calling myself a specialist, but I was sharing a lot of what I thought was new and truthful and amazing, but that was kind of layer one of entering into conscious sexuality, but there's, you know, endless and endless layers. And every single year, the more work I do in myself, the more I'm guided by my mentors, the better I get, the more I know. And I can now look back at girls like myself in their twenties who have no fucking clue what they're talking about. But I understand that because I've been there. Right. So I always say for any kind of coach, you've got to do your own inner healing. You've got to do your own work. Otherwise, you're just the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I trust that even if you get the wrong information or like something, it'll lead you to the place. Like there's, but I, I totally hear you. And it's, um, yeah, just something from a consumer or client standpoint to just really feel into your body or like what feels right when you're, we know, like, I feel like we know these things sort of on the inside to like tune into, okay, how does this information feel and like the way it's being presented or what they're saying and using our body as a soundboard is so important. You'd be surprised how a lot of people don't know and they end up working with the wrong coach. Like I have a lot of women come to me who are usually at the very end of, they're just about to give up on their sexuality uh, because they, let's say they've had an issue in their relationship. So what do you do? Okay. You go to a relationship counselor. Mm. That doesn't help. Then you go to a sexologist. That doesn't help. Then you go to another sex coach that perhaps is more affordable or has more followers, right? We're all testing people's authority based on how many followers we have. they have. That doesn't work out. And then they end up with me and I give a completely different advice and I guide in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I had this one client and she, she was basically in a relationship with a very loving man. He was a great father. He was, you know, a great boyfriend, but he was also a sex addict. And so he was sucking her dry, literally and figuratively, with his addiction to orgasm and sex. And she didn't know what to do because he's a great dad. He provides for the family. He's a loving man. He's willing to give her all the massages and all the time and make the love and let's go to Tantra and let's do this. And, you know, I can give you a full body massage. Just let me have sex with you. And if she says no to him, he needs to go to the bathroom and finish himself off because he can't sleep unless he has an orgasm. And no one ever dove deep enough to understand this dynamic. Every other sex coach was telling them, well, you should just book sex dates. Mm -hmm. Make every Friday a sex night. And this is the most horrible thing you can tell a woman. 
It's like now you have a professional forcing you to have sex with your husband without understanding why you feel shut down, without understanding why that dynamic has developed in the first place. So there's a lot of really bad advice out there. Everyone who even books with me, it's like shop for your coach, go to different coaches, don't book with me immediately, you know, have one session with me, see how you feel, read my content, listen to my podcast before you book with me. Go to another two coaches until you find someone that you really feel safe with. Otherwise, you could be sitting there being re-traumatized all over yeah. again. Mm-hmm. It's actually so. My uh, my partner, he took he took a course. He did a thing um, with somebody, and the homework was like Uh-oh. <laughs> similar to that. Like we didn't do it. We listened. You know, we were like, okay, we're gonna like do what feels right. But I, you know, the, the homework was very much like, do this, do that. Like on Tuesday night, like, this is what you enter into, like have sex or have or practice this thing. And there were thousands of people in the course. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, thinking I'm like, this is so traumatizing for somebody who's missing the basic connection of feeling safe and emotional safety, which I know that you teach a lot or work a lot around with your clients that's why it's so hard (laughs) people always ask me where's an online course Elena I'm like I can't I can't make an online course yet because my online course is not for everyone like you really in order to heal I truly believe you need one-on-one support you need someone there to really listen to your story and to understand you why are you reacting the way that you're reacting why are you triggered the way that you're triggered Why is your sexual dynamic with your partner the way that it is? You can't just take kind of a blanket statement of, oh, just communicate more and light some candles. Like that doesn't work for everyone. So I've been really struggling with making an online course that I feel doesn't traumatize people, you know, it doesn't (laughs) give the wrong advice because I'm so hyper careful about that. You know, you cannot, yeah, exactly. Like if you have a couple and he's a sex addict, you you can't tell them, oh, you should have a Friday night of sex every week. That's that's horrible for her. Yeah. Her nervous system cannot handle it. She will start shutting down even more. And on top of that, feeling guilty because, well, the coach mm-hmm. said to do so and look at me being broken because I can't do that with my husband. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love the um integrity to behind your work because it maybe it's I mean I'm sure maybe you'll figure it out someday of like what feels good and what is the recipe but yeah this work isn't the first work to be thrown into an online course you know so on one hand it's very easy and on the other hand it's very very complex yeah yeah I'd love to talk about as we say, it's all in the individual, but then I want to talk about some things that sort of we can all think about. I sort of want to hear about um, like emotional safety and like how you work with women around that. Like, what do you, what do you look for or share about like when it comes to emotional safety? Like, where do you go? Ooh, good question. And I kind of never thought what I do around it. Um, like, what does it mean? Like when people have like emotional safety, like I'm imagining like, what are like the green flags of emotional safety? Like what, what? So for me, the way I would describe emotional safety in layman's terms is feeling safe to be yourself completely around certain people or all people. So for example, if you and I are best friends, I feel so safe to be my silly self, my stupid self, my messed up self, my funny self, my smart self, right? Like you probably have a best friend like that. It's like you feel welcome in all of your glory and fucked upness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This person still loves you and accepts you. And unfortunately, we don't have that in intimate relationships so much. Um, Some of us don't even have friendships like that. And when you don't feel safe to be your true self, and let's apply this to your sex life, you're not going to enjoy sex and you're not going to want it. If the whole time that you're faking, pretending, putting on a show, um, abandoning yourself, 
For example, an example of abandoning yourself is allowing your boyfriend or partner to penetrate you before your body is ready for penetration. But you feel guilty that you're taking too long, they're going to get bored, they already put on a condom, now you feel bad about it. So you say, okay, go ahead, do it, even though it hurts you, even though it's uncomfortable, even though you weren't ready. So that was a moment of you not feeling safe enough with this person to say, hey, I need more time. Mm. Right? So you abandon yourself. And this happens all the time continuously. This can happen 10 times in one sexual uh, connection. This can happen continuously every day in a relationship with someone. I've been, you know... Thinking back to my relationships, I've been very unsafe in relationships. I wasn't feeling like I was ever good enough. I didn't feel like I was sexy enough. I felt like I had to fake orgasms or I was pretending, I was putting on a show. I felt, you know, that I might be too boring for my partner. And part of feeling safe was doing inner work and finding my own self-worth and then making a conscious choice of dating safe people Mm. you know people always say like well how you know how to be confident in relationships i always say date safe people (laughs) (laughs) you think that's so obvious but date safe people and i've dated people who were like well maybe we should have an open relationship or i don't know about you elena you know i felt different about other women but i don't know i'm still haven't made up my mind about you you know those people who are like Mm. i don't know want I want to keep fucking you but mm, I don't really I'm not ready for a relationship yeah (laughs) those people who go out and then they don't they don't call you for three days and you're like what happened where were they Mm -hmm. and then they you for being insecure yeah now looking back on my dating life I'm thinking my god I dated very unsafe people and I've dated people who didn't offer me emotional safety and I didn't offer it to myself Yeah. Yeah. So good. And I think so many people have like probably everyone listening to this now is like, yep, me too. I've either done that or I'm doing that right now. And what I'm hearing at the core is, and this is just such, oh my gosh, like just such a big topic because in the world, obviously it's not, you know, talked about, obviously it's still sort of taboo or whatever, but it just goes against like so much of what we're taught in society like when you're sharing those examples of like really radically advocating for yourself and like it's just not talked about at all and like I feel like some people like don't even know that it's an option to stand for yourself that much I didn't know in my 20s I had no idea I had no clue because I grew up in a unfortunately, in an emotionally abusive environment. And, you know, I I think the biggest privilege in the world is being born into a family with two loving parents. Um, It didn't happen to me. Uh, My mom was and is incredibly critical woman. And so I grew up deeply insecure and unsure of myself and a chronic people pleaser and a codependent. I I always say now I'm I'm a recovered codependent, (laughs) still working on it for the rest of my life. But I grew up abandoning myself all the time in all relationships, in romantic relationships, in friendships, in work, with clients. You know, it took me years and years to finally get to where I am today, and I'm still working on it. But this this stuff is so subtle. And like you said, a lot of people don't even realize that they're not safe. You know, thinking back to my relationships... I thought I was in love. I thought they were the one. I thought it was great. I thought this is as good as it gets. I was miserable, but I thought, well, that's kind of how it should be, right? Mm -hmm. I was mirroring my childhood. I was basically dating my own mother, (laughs) replaying that bonding um, with my exes. So a big shift that starts to happen for women when they work with me is very slow realization that they are not safe or perhaps that they are in a trauma bond or perhaps that what they think is a normal relationship is actually emotional abuse. Yeah. This happened to me with my last trauma bond when I finally 
you know, cut those cords in my own story. It's like, oh my God, I thought this man was the one. And it turns out he was a narcissist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know? And it hits you like a, like a ton of bricks. You're like, holy shit. Um, but then you yeah. heal. It, it's so, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. We were driving home. We were up in Northern California and driving home about how, when you're in something, in a relationship, like something that I share about in my work is like when you're, you know, in a trigger or you're like in a moment, like what you want to do is kind of get to the side of it and go, okay, what's going on when you're in a relationship and you're in it, how many people have done that? Like listening and you're in it. And it's like basically so awful or so unsafe. And then as soon as you're out on the other side and you have a bit of reflection, you're like, oh my God, how did I not how, like, how did I, me, who's like so smart and I know, right. Like as my human, how did I end up in that situation? And it happens to all of us. It's happened to me and almost every relationship besides the one that I'm in right now, which is thankfully like so, so, so safe. I think until I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I might get out of this one. I'm like, Oh my gosh. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this, the relationship I'm in now, like feels like a level of safety that didn't even occur to me or that I didn't even know existed. But I look back on all the other ones and I'm like, oof, wow. I remember when I went through my big, big, big awakening a number of years ago, uh, realizing that, yeah, I grew up in an abusive home that I was trauma bonding. I learned about narcissism. I learned about covert narcissism. I learned about emotional abuse and I left my partner and I was in that space also of just blaming myself for not seeing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember talking to my mentor, the one I run my programs with now going, Andrea, how is it that I have a degree in psychology? Like I'm helping other women. Like I'm doing this work. How the fuck did I not see this? And I was just blaming myself, blaming myself. And she said, Elena, we are blind to our own wounds. Mm. That's why they are our wounds. We cannot see them until we do. I can see everyone else's wounds, right? I can see my girlfriend's problems, my mother's problems, my client's problems. I'm so good at that. But my own stuff, I'm completely blind to. And that's why we have to do inner work, especially as coaches. If you Mm -hmm. want to hold space for others, you've got to figure out your own shit. Yeah. It's hard work. It is. And like just the importance of having somebody else to be like have a conversation with or to show you those spots so that you can kind of get out of your own head and your own situation a little bit and go, okay, let's have a conversation about what's going on. And I'm just curious, like, cause I'm sure some people are listening and thinking right now. And like, if somebody is in a relationship that is, you know, not hitting all these pieces of what an emotionally safe relationship is I'm curious there's probably not like a one one size fits all answer but can you heal in a relationship like that or is it usually you get out of the relationship like do you do work around healing inside of the relationship I usually say that we either when it comes to a relationship we either grow together or we grow apart Mm. so when we come together we're going to talk about almost quantum physics here, or we are vibrationally vibrating kind of on the same level. That's why we're attracted to each other. You know, it seems like we're very different or he's the asshole or she's the asshole, but we are perfect for one another to heal our wounding. So the, the biggest asshole in the world will attract the biggest codependent doormat in the world, right? We are just magnetized towards one another. And we have an opportunity to both do inner work and both heal And sometimes that happens, but very often it's only one person that starts to do the healing and the other one doesn't. And as you start to heal, you start to break that bond. It just naturally begins to phase out. And the person who you thought was love of your life and you couldn't imagine being without them, eventually you look at them and you go, well, that's not my person and I have to leave. Mm. And I've seen this happen through through the healing programs that we offer and friends and family and people I know that it's just, instead of waiting for that person to change and do inner work, 
you can do your own inner work and then you'll end up making that decision from a really big place of clarity Mm. because while you're in it with them while you're like you said in that storm you're very blind right and you're holding on and you've got the attachment towards them you have the hopes and you're dating the potential and you hope like one day they'll change one day will be great maybe maybe not do your inner work and you'll get to the place where you just know and then it's very easy to leave so beautiful. I've kind of hit a new level of my own development. I came to that place of clarity in relationships. It's like you wake up one day, you're like, oh, I need to fucking go. <laughs> I need to gather my shit, pack up, and I need to leave. Mm-hmm. The person is not coming with me. Yeah. Um, and then you don't get pulled back. You don't get back with your ex. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they say because you just know and you needed that inner work to get you to that knowing. Mm-hmm. And I've been on the other side of the relationship too, where I was forcing my ex-partner to do all the work. You heal, so I feel better, right? <laughs> you ever been in one of those? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, I feel like that might be something that people do. It's like, you need to do. There's either, right, you doing your inner work and going on your healing journey forcing them to do the work, which was what I see sometimes in, in the work that I do is that people do all of their own work and then get into the like coach or leader role in their relationship of like, you need to be exactly where I am. You need to come with me. And then it's the, the shame and blaming on and the other person. Majorly beat out killer when one of you is being like a mom or a coach to the other. No, 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 no. (laughs) So in that, I love that for anybody listening who does that. And I totally have like been guilty of that in the past. And I'm like, I can't do it. Like I, I, I had a, in my relationship because it's so, because I'm in, you know, the, I love to help and I love to do this and I love to, you know, it's the work that I do with my clients. And I was like, hard stop on that happening in the relationship. We both have our own support. We both have our own things. And when we're together, it's not, that's not the dynamic. And that's actually a very big spot for me to really like fully not be in that because I know I'm like, that is not that is not good. And a libido killer. Yeah. I mean, in the end, we're just avoiding our own healing. It's like, let me concentrate on your problems. And so you can heal. So I can feel better. It's very selfish. It's egocentric. And it's just you avoiding doing your inner work. Mm -hmm. I've been there too. Back in my twenties, I remember a relationship. I exhausted my partner. You do the work, you heal. (laughs) It never worked, you know, and I was avoiding looking at my own stuff. Yeah. I'm curious about the one we didn't talk about, which is kind of like doing the work together, like doing, you know, I mean, there's a million different things like couples retreats, couples coaching, couples therapy, like doing work together. I'm curious what, what you think about that and like what needs to also be present if you're like, are you, should you both do your own work and then you do work together? Like, how do you, is there a, what are your thoughts on that? I would say the most important thing is probably that whatever it is that you guys are doing, it needs to be genuine. Like you genuinely want to be doing this. I think inner work only works when it's genuine, when you want to do this, when you're doing so, when you're going to a therapist because your girlfriend forced you to, it's not going to work out. Right. When you're going to a retreat because your, your man has dragged you to a tantra retreat and you think he's going to break up with you because of whatever reason, unless you go to this, you're not going to learn much at that retreat. You're going to be resentful, closed off, annoyed, perhaps jealous. He's going to be sitting there annoyed because you're not this tantric goddess like some other women are there. So one thing I've really learned is that we can't force other people to really do anything. Right? We can maybe inspire others. We can lead by example. But at the end of the day, we live in a society and the world of free will. And if your partner doesn't want to self-develop it's their prerogative the question is is this a value for you in a relationship do you want to be with someone who's doing inner work and also your idea of inner work is not the same as theirs 
like both my partner and I, we're doing our own inner work, but it's very different. You know, he's got his own stuff. I've got my own stuff. I don't judge him. Sometimes I want to like, well, you should do what I do. No, fuck about Elena. He's got his own stuff. I trust him to take care of himself. Yeah. And if we ever do something together, yeah, it has to be genuine from both sides. Otherwise you're just dragging each other, you know, and that just builds more resentment. So good. And it's almost just like forcing them to do their own inner work in disguise. It's like, we'll do it together, but I'm really just forcing you or, or the other way around. Yeah. And I see this in, 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 in couples with, you know, all the sexuality problems is you have one person who really wants to have the sex and the other person who doesn't. And so it creates this fake illusion that the person who wants the sex is the healed one because they have a healthy libido. And that the person who doesn't want the sex is the fucked up broken one. Mm. So you've got the kind of the horny partner constantly dragging their not horny partner to retreats, to coaching, to books, to watching. You have, you know, a lot of men will forward my content to their wife or they'll write to me and say, how can I, can I book you for your, for my wife? And I say, no, you cannot. If your wife wants to work with me, she needs to reach out herself. Yeah. I will not be forced upon other women so that you can be happy. Yeah. I'm going to work. <laughs> yeah. So good. And like, I I've seen that and this is just like taking radical responsibility for your self in your own journey is so important. And like anytime, like you were saying, we project that or make it about someone else or, or somebody else needs to do something in order for us. It's, it's just, disconnecting us further away from ourselves, And I think this work and what I think is like the work of our lives and the work of the world is to just be connected to yourself in your truth and, and let that be like you were saying, when you were talking about your partner, you're like, I trust him. Like, that's the work is to be so connected to yourself that you can just relax into that in your own journey. I hope you guys are loving today's episode and I just want to jump in here and let you know that if you're listening to this show and you've been following along with the podcast, you're like, there's something more that I want in my life. I know that there is a next level of abundance and congruence available for me and I just really want to take action on it in this lifetime. I still feel you and I got your back. I made a 60-minute completely free workshop that you can download right now at www.jadenhummel.com slash workshop. It's called Claim Your Next Level of Abundance and Power, where I'm going to be walking you through the exact frameworks and steps that are going to go from, I have this idea that I know there's more available for me to actually taking action on it. So I'm going to walk you through in a workshop, a step-by-step practice so that you can walk away with unignorable clarity, really connecting to what that is. It's all about recruiting your mind and your nervous system and your community so that you can really start taking action toward what you want and being wildly supported by your body and your people. And I'm also going to teach you the alignment method, which is how to constantly be on track for unlimited expansion. This workshop is fucking magical. It's 60 minutes, completely jam-packed for you to connect to your most abundant next level. It's in the show notes, or you can download the workshop at www.jadenhummel.com slash workshop. You do not have to wait any longer to take action on your goals. I think what a lot of people are struggling with is that we enter relationships based on chemistry, attraction, and really hot sex. And we should be entering relationships based on compatibility. Mm. And once the hot sex has faded, we realize that we're not really compatible. We still love our partner. We are attached to them. Perhaps we already have kids with them, but we're not compatible with them. And so it might never be, perhaps we never were you know, but the hot sex and the, the hopes, right. And the desires, yeah. they put glasses on your eyes. And so you get to the point where it's like, shit, we're not compatible. So, okay. Now I need you to change to be compatible to me. Mm. That might or might not happen. 
or I'm going to change everything about myself to be compatible with you. And so you see this kind of gridlock with couples. It's like, and you can see it sometimes in your friend groups when you think, my God, they really need to break up. Like they will never be compatible. They never were, but because they're attached, because they think they love each other, but really it's attachment or they're scared to start all over. They're scared to be alone. They're holding on. They're driving each other nuts instead of taking a step back and go, okay, you know what? This doesn't make sense. This really doesn't make sense. I love you, but we don't make sense together. Yeah. And seeing it too, it's like on like what you said of how you enter the relationship and like that for anyone who's like, oh shit, I'm ready in a relationship. I already entered it. Like (laughs) good news for anyone who hasn't entered it yet. And I think what you're saying by that is like getting from what I've seen from your work too, is like really getting to know each other and not just having sex right away and not just entering into a super physical connection right away. Like, can you elaborate on what a, a good way to enter a relationship would be? My advice is if you are looking for a committed long-term relationship, perhaps your ideal is to get married, build a family. Um, Don't have sex on the first seven to 10 dates. And I know for a lot of women, as they hear it, they're like, no fucking way. (laughs) Third date max, third date max. You've got to enter relationships based on compatibility and based on someone's character. But when you're busy having them inside your mouth, I'm going to be crude over here you're not really going to see their character. You're just going to see their abs. Mm. And we jump really quickly into sex. And when you have the sex and you've got all these, and when the sex is good, you've got these wild hormones coursing through your body. You think you're in love, but you're just high on endorphins. You think they're the one, but they're not the one. You just had a really good orgasm with them. And then we're making relationship decisions based on the good sex, on how fun it is to be around them, on the projections and the illusions that we create around this person. Oh, he's so perfect. But you really don't know this person. You're seeing them for the second time and you guys are naked already. You know, I, I always hear kind of, I'm now old enough to look at the younger girls in their 20s and they're all, you know, fighting for women's empowerment and like, we, we need to go and fuck around and like sleep around and it's empowering. And I'm at that age now where I feel very old, where I'm like, oh boy, no, well, <laughs> that doesn't really work. You're, you're biting yourself in the ass. Yeah. Because you're jumping into relationships with someone because they're hot and good in bed. And then you're going to be traumatized three years later. Mm-hmm. You find out they're a narcissist or they're selfish or they're vain or they're a cheater or they don't even want a relationship. They just want to sleep with you. Yeah. And the best way to test someone's character is take your time to get to know them right and if you were it's it's so simple but it's scary right I mean again this used to be me in my 20s I would jump after three dates I'd be in bed with someone because my fear was they're gonna go and sleep with someone else that they're not gonna wait for me I didn't feel worthy enough of someone to just hang out with me Right. So you jump in there because you want to seduce them. You want them to choose you. You don't want them to go and date other people. You're scared that they'll go sleep with someone else. And so many women, especially women, were doing this. It's so fascinating because one of the little things that I use, I'm like, if we feel like we're in a rush around something, so you're in a rush to make money or you're in a rush to be in a certain place or you're in a rush to do whatever. I'm like, that's usually a sign that there's something a little off in like the alignment piece or inside of you, right? Because if we really start to go, okay, like how could I make this feel better? Like what would be the the kind of thing that wouldn't make it feel like a rush? So it's funny because when you're talking about getting to know someone, it's like this rush of having sex, this rush of being, you know, having physical connection is what I'm hearing. And it's, scary I'm assuming you actually have to face yourself you actually have to get to know the person you actually have to be vulnerable and I don't know if if you agree with this but jumping into physical connection or jumping into sex is 
escaping or avoiding those pieces of really getting vulnerable? It's, it's fear-driven behaviors. You are afraid they won't stay. You are afraid they'll pick someone else. You're afraid they'll get bored. But relationships are not just about the hot sex. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us will start off on this really high note. And I see this also with couples are trying to have all kinds of sex in the first year of the relationship. And that's also driven by fear. It's like, well, I need to be hot enough for him. So let me have anal on a third date. Let me, let's have a threesome. Let's go to a sex party. Let's get the handcuffs out. Let's me, I need to put on a gazillion different outfits and lingerie and be a sexy nurse for him because deep inside, I am terrified that if I don't do this, another woman will. Mm -hmm. And so let me do all of this in the first year. And so couples will, and men do this too. They'll also try to do a gazillion things with you to try and impress you. But you guys have a whole life to explore your sexuality to enjoy it, to be connoisseurs of sex together. And when you try everything in the first months, you kind of run out of fun things to do. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, well, I've had her in every single hole in every single way in every single couch and every single, I don't know, park and car. Nah, I'm done. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's driven by, by insecurity and fear. We're scared that someone will replace us. And the current culture of treating each other like we're a replaceable object, it's further fueling into this fear, right? Someone hotter, younger, sexier is one swipe away. Right. I was just going to say the dating apps too. It's like, we're like. <laughs> I see already like the, the movement against them. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of women getting off the apps completely. I got off the apps. I said, I've decided I'm not going to meet my husband on an app. And I yeah. didn't. Yeah. Um, I tried them one time when I was living, I tell the story to people. I was living in Vermont in the middle of the woods. And I tried the dating apps for, I don't know. I might've had it for a couple of weeks and I put the age range just for fun. I'm like, from like something really young to like really old. It was like a 30 year age range. Right? was like, let's just see who's in my neighborhood. And there was like one guy and he was holding up like a buck. He was in hunting gear. <laughs> I was like, this is not going to work for me in Vermont. My partner and I met in a coffee shop. He was having my man, actually. I'm like, I want a man who can like chop some wood and <laughs> me, I'll, I'll date that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Bolton, Vermont. <laughs> if he has a photo of holding a fish, like that's my man, but I'm a taken woman, but in my next life. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. It's like what you're, what you're sharing too is so simple and just goes against everything that we're taught or everything that we hear about everything that we learn. And I would just, I just love to hear a little bit like on the contrary to sort of wrap up this conversation of, you know, when you're talking about love making and I'm just hearing the long game and really being in something for the right reasons, not being in a rush, moving slow. What does if you could just kind of share, you know, maybe like a couple of things for anybody listening on how they can move toward that in their life, like move toward love making, move to a more slower, vulnerable, better feeling. Because for anybody listening, like, I don't think we've, we've come back to this piece as much, but like the whole point of all this is so that you actually feel better. Right. And like experience so much more pleasure. You're so much more relaxed. You, you can probably speak on this more, right. The whole point is to just actually deeply, truthfully feel so much better. Well, one of the most magical things about slowing down. And I mean, again, you also mentioned about what we're talking about can be applied in other parts of your life. Yeah. There's the magic in slowing down and being present. And I often describe lovemaking um, in a metaphor of you ever come home and you're kind of hungry and you're grumpy, you've been at work all day and you're just like open your fridge and you're like, oh, I just start stuffing your mouth with things. Maybe there's some like slices of cheese. Maybe there's an old sandwich in there. And because you're just hungry, you just want to fill your belly. Yeah, potato you, chips and sour cream. For me. And like, then there's like some pickles and then there's some blueberries in there. And then you just sit on the couch and you're feeling bloated and gross. You're like, oh man, that was horrible. Right. And you did that all alone. <laughs> Versus 
on a Saturday morning, going to the market, picking out, you know, like some fresh fish and some good, I don't know, grass fed butter and talking to the people at the market and getting a basket full of veggies and fruits. And then you invite a few friends over and they bring some food and you come home and you're washing everything. You put a good Jaden's podcast on and you're listening to it while you're cooking. And yes, you spend some money on it, but it's worth it. And your friends are coming over and people brought some wine and people lit some candles. And then you made the salad and you made the fish and then you made the, I don't know, the tiramisu. And you guys are all sitting there and you're having an awesome conversation. And maybe someone lights a joint. I don't know. Maybe someone brought someone new and that person is telling the best jokes ever. And you have this incredible evening fueled by laughter and connection and amazing, amazing food that you cooked yourself. What feels better? A quick fast food old sandwich in the fridge or an entire Saturday Mm. like that? That's what lovemaking is to me. You can have your quick sex that fills your belly or fills other orifices in your body like a sandwich. It gets the job done in a way, Mm. but you don't really want it again, you know, until your partner does or until you get that itch for an orgasm because it didn't really nourish you. It filled you up, but it didn't nourish you. Mm. Or you can make love and take your time and not be in a rush and get to know each other and giggle and laugh and take breaks and look each other in the eyes and figure out where your little spots are. Not rush your orgasm, not force your orgasm, not reach for the toy because it makes you come faster right? Really take your time. I tell you that kind of sex fills you up on a whole different level, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, you feel nourished. And that kind of sex you want to have again. Mm. But in society, we are all about quantity, right? It's like, I need to have sex four times a week. Well, I'd rather have sex once a month that takes four hours, you know, of just tender, tender, sweet, nurturing, lovemaking, than have 45 minutes or 20 minute sex every other day of the week. Yeah. So beautiful. I love that example. And I can just feel that so much of like the market and the Saturday versus like the potato chip sex. That's like what'll stick in my mind. Like fast food sex, right? It's especially affecting women because here's the fundamental differences between the sexes. We're the ones being penetrated. So we need time to arouse, to open up, to be ready to receive. It's not nice for us. It doesn't feel good if we're not ready, Mm -hmm. right? A man gets ready pretty fast. Boom, he's inside of you. That's just the male body. That's the way the male genitors are formed. That's the way the male sexuality is formed. But we need more time. We've got to take more time. And if we're trying to go at the speed of a man, we're not going to be enjoying sex. Yeah. And a lot of women are you know, being conditioned now to have kind of male-oriented sex fast. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. It's not female body friendly. And part of my work is making women realize that, that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not fucked up. You're not broken. You're just not being made love to. Your body isn't being treated the way that it needs to be treated. A lot of women will come to me for body work and say, I don't feel anything. I'm completely numb. But when I do body work on them, they feel everything. Because I'm creating the safety, because I'm taking my time, because I'm I'm there with them, because I listen to them. You know, but for them, when they go back to their boyfriend, sex is over in 15 minutes. Yeah. That's not sex. That's potato chips. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good too to like remember and like the permission for women listening to this and like women in the world of, I love how you said, like, we're the ones being penetrated. And I feel like there's stories like we talked about earlier, like, oh, I need to be like this, or I need to be ready, or I need to like, blah, 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 blah. Like, this is why we need women connected Mm -hmm. and taking a stand for what you need and moving through life in that way, because you are different. And like, in, in just that way of like, you need more time. And it's such beautiful permission 
And it's so important. And it's just like a cold, hard fact of like, it's your, you need more time and that's okay. And you get to have it. It's like, I, so much, I hear from women so much shame. It's like, I take a long time to arouse. I take a long time to orgasm. It takes me forever. I'm like, girl, it's like baking a cake, putting in the oven and then getting mad at it because it's not cooked in five minutes. The cake needs 45 minutes. (laughs) It's amazing. Why are you getting mad at the cake? That's not the nature of the cake. And it's not the nature of the female body to be boom, 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 boom. It's not. We have moments like that in our life. Like sometimes you're just really, really horny, right? You can make yourself come in one minute. It happens. But it happens sometimes. The other times you need 45 minutes or you need an hour and a half. My question is, where is everybody rushing to? Right. And like you said, what are we running away from if we are rushing towards an orgasm? And often the reality underneath this rushing is we are rushing away from feeling inadequate we just kind of want the sex to be done and over with because we're not really enjoying it. We're rushing towards being good enough and being easy enough for our partner, right? These are all fear-based decisions we're making in sex. I don't want that kind of sex. That's why your libido starts to tank after a while because forcing, pushing your body is not very sexy. Mm not going to want that kind of sex we end up losing libido so good and like one thing I'm going to pop on there too is like anything we're doing this is like what I share a lot about it's like anything that we're doing from a nervous system standpoint feels like safe comfortable similar so if you've been doing that your whole life right it's going to be same comfortable similar and to make a change, which I'm assuming you probably work with women around a lot to change into that farmer's market, like full day, Saturday, lovemaking. It's not going to feel super easy and innate. It's going to feel different and scary, but just like everything else, if you allow yourself to go there just little bit by little bit and get curious about it mm-hmm. and in a second, I'm going to ask you where people can connect with you and find you. If you just start to allow yourself to go to that place, there's a life and experience that feels so much better, but it's not going to be, you would think like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's easy. That's better. Let me just try it. Let me just do that. The nature of our bodies is it's going to, it's going to take effort to shift that. And because every woman And every person really is so different. I'm glad you mentioned the nervous system. Like for a woman who's coming from a background of trauma or abuse, it's a very different experience for her to make love versus someone who just never thought that lovemaking was an option in her life, right? Everyone reacts differently. And usually when we slow down, a lot of our suppressed emotions start coming up to the surface. And we've been conditioned to believe that sex is all about erotica and being sexy. And all of a sudden, you've slowed down, you've got grief coming up for you, you've got anger coming up for you, and you freak the hell out. Like, what is What am I feeling? Oh my God, no, 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 I I have to feel sexy. Where's my sexiness going, right? Why am I in grief? And so very often, as the partners slow down, they get very emotional. Mm. And if you feel safe enough, you start to cry with your partner, If you feel safe enough, you start to show more emotion. If they're good at holding space for you, they'll just hold you. They'll just be there for you. They're not going to try and be like, ah, you ruined the mood. Talk about an unsafe person, right? Or what's wrong, babe? (laughs) (laughs) They'll hold you. They'll understand that this is what happens. So for for anyone who's curious about it, I would say first do your research. There's incredible books on lovemaking. Um, One of my mentors and women I deeply aspire her name is Diana Richardson. This woman is, she's probably in her 70s now. I talk about her all the time. I'm obsessed with her. Um, she, she wrote, I don't know, five, six uh, books together with her husband on lovemaking, on slow sex, on tantra. The tantra that's not, you know, thick, thick books that are hard to understand. Her stuff is so easy. And there's very little practices there because some people need to start on the smallest little changes, such as Can you sit across your partner in like a lotus position and just look each other in the eye? Mm. 
Some people can't hold a gaze for more than five seconds. They start to shake, they get uncomfortable, they want to deflect. So this is where you guys need to begin, just there. Other couples are able to jump into bigger things or being naked or taking it slow. Um, so do your research, read, talk about it, right? Discuss it. Don't just randomly start slowing down. Talk to your partner about it. Be like, babe, you know, I, I heard this podcast or I read this book and do, do you want to talk about it? I'm really curious to try this. I heard it's amazing and I really love you and I want to have an amazing love life with you. Can we give it a try? So, so good. Baby steps. Yeah. And like baby steps are so important from a nervous system standpoint too, of just little by little. And, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, but it could be so traumatizing to jump into something really intense or going right into sex and doing it differently and to just not be in a rush and slow down, but doing things like you mentioned, gazing or just you know, having a, a conversation, like these things are what really matter. You also will notice it for, for like the male partners, men have been conditioned that they constantly have to be doing something in bed. Like they need to be fucking, right? They need to be moving. They need to be fingering. They need to be like, oh, this, this energy is in there. And so having a man slow down, things start to shift and change for them too they get emotional too because the conditioning is if i'm not doing something i'm not pleasuring her i'm not good enough i am lazy and she's gonna go and swipe right on another guy <laughs> right so it's it's vulnerable for both sexes it's just it's different in their own unique ways and of course the more honest and vulnerable you can be with each other on this the better the results will be and I have a lot of, because I only work with female clients and they start bringing this idea to their men. And it's usually two things. Either the men are completely resistant and they don't want to go there or they're resistant at first, but they're like, okay, I'll try it. And then they love it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love it. And then I'll talk to a client and she's like, oh, John says hello. He just wants you to know, like we're having the best sex ever now. <laughs> yeah. Hello back to John. <laughs> so good. I, lo I love the the part about men too, because I also think just like with women, we can feel, you know, you're like too much or you're too this, or you're too that. And it's like this, there's things happening on both sides. Like the, it's, you're not, it's not just you who is feeling, you know, like a cut off or like, you're not enjoying as much, like it's happening on the other side too. And there's growth to happen on both sides. It's so beautiful that you brought that up. I mean, you see this also with men, like they've been taught through porn that they have to be this rough and, and, you know, give it to her, give it to her. It's actually takes a lot of effort. I, I used to date women too. So I know what it's like to, to fuck a woman. Like it's a lot of, like you get tired, you know, you start to sweat. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a lot of work. So telling a man like, Hey babe, you don't actually have to do any of this. And actually it hurts me. It's such a beautiful moment for men to, deconstruct those beliefs and go oh wow I can be more gentle and she loves it in fact it seems like she loves it even more the gentler and slower I am the more in tune I am with her so we we're all bombarded with these wrong ideas of what sex has to be and as you start to gently gently peel off the layers and test out the new waters things only get better so beautiful oh my gosh I just love this conversation. And I hope that I really, I hope that anybody listening, like, I know I'm sure that you got so much out of it, but I just really hope that there's pieces in here that moved something that you can take from this and go, Ooh, yeah. Like, how can I, how can I start to feel better and feel more connected and just open up to a world where I can experience so much more and I'd, I'd love for you to share if there's anything else you want to share but also how people can connect with you sure I do want to share one yeah. thing so something that has become more and more apparent to me the kind of stuff that I talk about is the women who are drawn to me are women in their 30s 40s and 50s 
And so I noticed that the desire to slow down and become more aware comes often with age. And what I talk about relationships, connection, monogamy, long-term is not for everyone. And that's okay because a lot of girls are still young, like girls, they're teens. My work is not for teenagers. My work is not for girls in their early twenties because they're still discovering, they're still playing, they're still figuring things out. They don't want to slow down. No, they want to go, 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 go everywhere in their life. So if what I talk about isn't resonating, it's absolutely okay. Don't force something on yourself. Give it a try, explore, maybe read a book about it. Um, but don't blame yourself if you're not ready for this just yet. There will come a time when you will be. It will make sense. And I would say around Mark 30. 32 years, you'll be naturally drawn towards it. Kind of like we're naturally drawn towards things in our 40s and our 50s. It's just part of your sexual development. Right now, you might still be into, I don't know, parties, kinky stuff, you know, sex on a second date. <laughs> That's okay. You know, again, it's, th this is where you are in your life. Yes. So be compassionate to yourself. There isn't a perfect way to have sex. Thanks for sharing where, that. Where people can find me. Um, I'm most active on Instagram uh, at the Yoni Empire. Um, you can also find me in my inbox. I love when people email me. That's the way to reach out for sessions and body work to find out about my price list and my coaching programs. Um, my website, theyoniempire.com. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. Easy. <laughs> simple <laughs> I love it um and yeah I, I love that last piece you shared too if there is no golden key or no perfect information for you at like at every time so it's just leaning into curiosity and opening up really what I think is the question of how can I feel better and seeing where that leads you so thank so, you I wanted to share one more thing because I can talk about this for hours if you don't mind yeah, please. <laughs> Maybe this is the podcast you mentioned earlier. I was on a podcast with Sarah Rose Bright. She's a phenomenal woman. Uh, she has all about sexuality uh, podcast. And she talked about, she wrote this article about like the, the trauma of the modern goddess. And it's kind of how the hustle culture has invaded our human sexuality, where by the time you're 23, you're supposed to be this multi-orgasmic woman who's had G-spot orgasms, A-spot orgasms, C-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms, pineal gland orgasms, and you're supposed to be amazing at Shibari, you know, all the kinks and having guns parties. It's so exhausting. And please don't torture yourself. Like life is for exploring. You have a whole life ahead of you. Mm -hmm. uh, just take it easy, you <laughs> know, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah. Slow down. There's no rush. And there's so much information and there's so many things you can do and you don't have to do it all. And I just love that you brought up, you know, the gazing piece and like eye gazing and just, just sit across from someone before you go to all the parties and do all the things or, you know, do it in whatever order, but ten dates. sit across them for 10 dates. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh, so good. Thank you so much. Really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, please share on Instagram and tag me. I can guarantee it will make my day to hear from you. If you want to stay in the loop for future episodes, make sure to subscribe. And as always, if this episode made you think of someone you love, or you know someone who would benefit from listening, please send it their way. You never know how you can impact someone's life. Until next time. <laughs>